Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Podcast, sharing tools, tips, and techniques for healthcare quality improvement with a special focus on managing data. Here's the latest update. Hello, and welcome to the Healthcare Quality Podcast. My name is David Kashmir, and I'm a Lean Six Sigma Master Black Belt. I'm also a surgeon with a special interest in quality improvement and how to improve our healthcare systems and processes with uh, the tools of statistical process control and a focus on best practice and guideline adoption. On today's program, we're going to talk about the problem with benchmarking. As we get into this up front, I want to put this disclaimer at the beginning of the podcast. We're about to talk a great deal about the perils and pitfalls of adopting uh, data from the outside and benchmarking your performance against outside data, especially early on in any quality improvement program. Before we get into that, I want to be really clear that the message of this podcast is not that is not that we should say, let's not look outside our organization, <clears throat> or that we have nothing to learn from any other organization. So I want to be clear that the message today is about the perils and pitfalls of benchmarking with a special emphasis on how to avoid them. So let's talk a bit about benchmarking. There are at least three troubles or perils of benchmarking. Years ago, when I was taught Lean and Six Sigma, uh, there was a great focus on taking data right from your process uh, prospectively, rather than going to databases or data warehouses or similar places where you have your data. And the reason for that, uh, there were several reasons for that. One of the reasons was the data that makes its way into a warehouse is often cleaned, meaning there are certain items that are edited or perhaps not captured, and the sample that's represented by the warehouse or uh, registry, even if it's intended to demonstrate the entire breadth of variation in the system, well, it may not do so. So one reason to focus on taking data right from your process was to make sure you had a good representative sample. Another reason to take data right from your process was to focus on improving your system prior to benchmarking or going outside your system. And today, what we're going to focus on is exactly why uh, that teaching uh, from Lean and Six Sigma coursework is so prevalent. Why is it that we say focus on your process before you benchmark? And to that end, let's look in on the perils and pitfalls of benchmarking. Very typically in healthcare, uh, we have uh, numbers that look different or look differently, but in fact aren't. Meaning if you look outside your organization to a benchmark, let's say the benchmark is a percentage of ventilator-assisted pneumonias uh, for patients who have been in the intensive care unit more than four years. Uh, I'll delete that. More than than four uh, days. Four years would be quite a stay for any patient in your ICU. I hope you do a link to stay project too if you have that. So if we're looking at this example of patients who have a ventilator-associated pneumonia after being in the ICU for four days, there may be a benchmark out there from another organization that says, okay, these patients had a VAP after four days. This is our percentage. And you may have a percentage at your organization that is lower or higher than that benchmark that you've done. 
Well, guess what, colleagues? It turns out often when we do the work on it, there is no statistically significant difference between these two numbers, meaning your uh, self-flagellation, if you think you're too high and you're higher than the benchmark, or your celebration, if you think you're lower than the benchmark, really may not be justified. You may gather data over the next year only to learn that, in fact, uh, your percentage is higher or lower than the benchmark you've looked at, and it's equally meaningless. What I'm advocating here is statistical testing. Uh, you can use different tests to determine if there's a difference between a percentage-type benchmark. Um, you may use the chi-squared proportions test or something similar. The fact is it takes statistical knowledge to look at things like discrete data. And again, for those of you who aren't quality improvement professionals, discrete data is data that uh, uh, can be contrasted with continuous data. Continuous data are data endpoints that you can divide ad infinitum and still make sense, like time. You can divide time from an hour into minutes, into seconds, into nanoseconds. You can kind of keep cutting it down, and it has meaning. Discrete data, by contrast, is something like a percentage, or like a yes-no, black-white, um, finite packets of data. Percentages are an example of discrete data, and typically in healthcare, that's what I see us use. The problem with discrete data is we typically don't test the benchmark versus our data to determine really if the numbers are any different from a standpoint of having uh, or meeting our significance criteria. Well, when we don't use significance criteria from statistics or other decision-making rules, we end up with a problem. And that problem is we are more common to have a type 1 error or a type 2 error and in fact, we don't have safeguards in place to avoid or at least quantify each. Now, a type 1 error, you probably remember, is when we tamper with the system. When we think that there was a difference in something, but there was no difference, and we rearrange our process. What this does over time is this makes us work really hard, but in fact get nowhere. I've seen many times where benchmarks are adopted for different endpoints, whether those are ventilator-associated pneumonias or something similar, and the healthcare organization beats itself to try to figure out why it's performing so poorly, because its percentage is much higher or seemingly much higher than the benchmark that's associated with it. So the headline here is that you have to be careful, and we typically aren't in healthcare when we benchmark, because sometimes the numbers look different but aren't. And we end up tampering with a system that was in fact fine, or sometimes missing systems that are not okay and under-controlling. We actually can overcorrect, and overcorrecting a system leads to increased variation. Working really hard to kind of control that system almost makes it function like sand through our hands. We want to do better, we try to do better, we work so hard that sometimes our staff burn out or we have churn, and in fact we see no difference in our outcomes. This is in part, doing to, in part owing to a lack of knowledge in statistics, which is seen typically across healthcare organizations, especially the smaller ones as they tend to want to do so well. It can be very challenging. So when you couple healthcare's love of discrete data, which is typically what I see on dashboards where we have a percentage, and that's because we kind of intuitively can understand percentages. Even though percentages may not represent the breadth of variation, 
the variance inherent in the system, and the risk really to a particular patient, as well as some other measures might, we typically use discrete data for all the reasons we talked about. It's sort of familiar. It's a percentage. We understand it. But you couple that love of discrete data with a lack of knowledge and statistics, and you have a recipe for benchmarking to go awry. You have a recipe for healthcare uh, systems, uh, as, as I've seen previously, that um, want to do better so badly that they over-control and tamper with systems that really are no different from the benchmark. So our first issue happens with benchmarking. Our first peril is when we want to adopt a benchmark and perhaps we adopt a benchmark and we end up tampering with a system or overcorrecting because our numbers look differently than the benchmark numbers and in fact there, there really was no difference. Another key peril or pitfall is when the operational definitions at play don't match. And what I mean by this is sometimes a benchmark has an operational definition from an outside center. If you go to apply that outside center's benchmark to your organization, you may have a difficult time achieving the same result because you have, at your base, a different definition. I saw this years ago with pneumonia and whether the CDC definition of pneumonia or another definition of pneumonia was employed by a healthcare organization. The point here is another peril and pitfall of benchmarking is that we need to make sure our operational definitions line up. We need to make sure we're all counting apples, and typically that doesn't occur. Typically the benchmark's title is just read, and it is adopted, and we look at it compared to ours because in fact the names of the data endpoint may match. We may say ventilator-associated pneumonia, and they may say ventilator-associated pneumonia, and for whatever reason, the operational definitions at play are not the same. It's surprisingly common when you drill down on it, and it can be a challenge for healthcare organizations when they go to adopt or to benchmark. The Healthcare Quality Podcast, focusing on data and decision-making tools for healthcare quality improvement. Another unstated or typically unstated problem, which is currently becoming more noticed in healthcare, is data collection systems are not as clean as what we'd like. There's not a great amount of data fidelity in healthcare data. There's evidence that approximately 40% of data in larger corporations is inaccurate. And experientially, I'll share that in healthcare, uh, I'll bet the number is higher. In fact, you know, 90% of data ever created was created in the last two years. And we have this data glut, you may say, or necessity to do better with how we sift through data to make decisions because we have so much data now. There are numerous initiatives to do this, but at the core of all of them, I think it's important to recognize that as we benchmark against an external system, we may have an internal data fidelity problem. Again, if 40% of data in large companies, or approximately that, is found to be inaccurate, we have a clear issues where we could benefit from a data fidelity project before we benchmark uh, externally. Another issue we typically see in healthcare along the data fidelity line is we have representative sample problems. What I mean by that is we don't typically call a representative sample 
uh, that focuses on our nights and weekends, when our system is the weakest. Although there have been numerous papers that are now focusing more on nights, weekends, holidays, typical uh, quality improvement initiatives, uh, even if they do collect data right from the process, are kind of nine to fivers or eight to fivers. They may give us a very good picture of how uh, our processes work in the daylight, but of course in hospitals, sick patients come at all hours. In fact, uh, there's some evidence that um, uh, there is a difference between uh, care in some centers uh, that we are able to deliver at nighttime versus what we're able to deliver in the daylight hours. Whether you think philosophically there should be a difference or that there should not be a difference, when we go to characterize our system as we look to benchmark or otherwise, we need to make sure that our sample is representative of the organizational performance. So this gets back to statistical knowledge because one of the challenges we have is that we don't typically have a representative sample both in terms of getting patients from nights and weekends and data from those times, but also in terms of sample size. There are sample size calculations uh, that are straightforward to perform, and you can sort how large of a, or how small the smallest change you want to be able to detect in your system is uh, pre and post intervention. And again, there are representative equations to do that, in addition to other sample size and uh, sample, representative sample considerations. Owing to the fact that we don't have a robust uh, statistical knowledge base in many hospitals, um, it's very challenging to make sure that our operational definitions match and that the sample we are passing along is a representative sample both in terms of size, uh, day of the week, etc., as we described. So in conclusion, these are at least three of the large perils of benchmarking. I agree with the idea that prior to benchmarking against external organizations, it is imperative that we attempt to improve our systems as much as we can, whether that be adopt, adapting, and improving on solutions from outside centers, making our own solutions in response to our data, or a mix of the two. It's key that we reform and improve our processes according to what we think is important, and then we go outside to benchmark. Because again, benchmarks can be misleading, whether it be for operational definition reasons, whether it can be because the numbers look different to our eyeball test, but in fact are not from a statistical standpoint, or whether it's because we have data fidelity problems. Benchmarking is fraught with peril for different reasons. Let's again return to kind of the disclaimer at the beginning of our talk. I'm not saying that we have little to learn from other organizations or external uh, agencies. We have a lot to learn. But I think it's key that as we do that, uh, we do it intelligently. I do not advocate that we put our heads in the sand or sort of have ostrich syndrome and kind of have a leave us alone mentality, we're doing fine. That's just not tenable nowadays. But I do advocate that prior to accepting a benchmark or measuring ourselves against a benchmark, we look for interval significant improvement in our processes. And we do that with some of the many tools available from statistical process control or other uh, guidelines for how to improve. Well, thanks for listening today. And if you have questions or if you disagree with this really very direct take 
on the perils of benchmarking, let me know. Stop by the surgicallab.com and um, have your say. And uh, we can interact about the perils and pitfalls of ben- benchmarking, as well as the upsides of how benchmarking can help when it's done properly and when it's used to full effect. So share your stories, say hello, have a great day, and I hope you found our episode useful. Did you know the HQP is on SoundCloud and iTunes? Visit us there and at the podcast's home, surgicalbusinessmodelinnovation.com.